Hello. Welcome back to Comfortably Unconventional with your host, me, Lena Caroline. I am so happy if you are revisiting my podcast or visiting my podcast for the first time. Uh, I appreciate it very, very much. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm gonna... I'm going to dive right into this. <laughs> I'm recording this episode on a Thursday afternoon, and my podcasts are released every Friday at midnight. So here we are, doing it in the fashion that I seem to do a lot in, which is extreme procrastination and then doing it last minute. Trying to break that habit. Um, that might be a very good episode topic. I could, I think I could talk a whole hour about procrastination and why it causes so many issues in my life. But uh, to be fair, I usually do record my episodes in advance. And, you know, I have them scheduled for release and all that good stuff. But I did something that I guess I didn't really... Um, expect to and that was I sat down and I recorded a whole episode talking about a subject that maybe I wasn't ready to talk about it was a sore spot for me way way worse than I had thought previously before I tried recording the episode um Maybe this is something that podcasters kind of commonly run into where there are some things that you really want to talk about and you feel it could be really helpful to others as well as yourself, but maybe uh, you're not quite ready to talk about it yet. You know, maybe it's just still a little too raw for you to discuss other people or it's something you're still working on. In my case, it's something I, I guess I'm still working on and I needed to try and record that podcast episode to realize that I'm not ready to share about it yet. Um, fortunately, I have been kind of planning this podcast for a really long time, so I have a shit ton of episodes or ideas for episodes. Um, so we're going to talk about something else for this week. Um, and I guess I just wanted to, I wanted to talk about relationships today. Um, primarily toxic relationships. This is also a tough subject for me, <laughs> but I feel like it might be a little less tough than what I was going to talk about before. I also feel like I've had a lot, of, a lot of experience in this and it's just something that I can kind of remove myself from a little better, maybe um, be a little more objective and maybe give some good insights. The first thing that I think comes to mind a lot of times when you're talking about a toxic relationship is either, you know, I guess, I don't know, like a very, kind of like fighting all the time, or things are just looking terrible outwardly all the time. Uh, another version of toxic relationships, and this is one that drives me absolutely nuts, 
is seeing the way that some, I, I, I don't know, on some platforms, I feel like toxic relationships are romanticized and glorified. But if you enter a toxic relationship that becomes an abusive relationship, it's not funny anymore. It's not cute. I feel like if you do have that, you know, that element where it's not just a toxic relationship where you're having those, like, I don't know not just like the cute petty fighting like you are in an actual really intense toxic relationship that's kind of abusive emotionally verbally or physically seeing it being glorified is absolutely disgusting to you and i wanted to talk about that because i've kind of been on both sides you know, I wouldn't say that I openly glorified toxic relationships online, but, you know, I think I would talk a lot about being attracted to toxic partners and how, you know, I was toxic, you know, and then giggle. It wasn't until I was in a toxic relationship that turned abusive that I wasn't giggling anymore. Um, unfortunately, I feel like, for one, most of my relationships in the past were toxic. And something that I had to come to terms with was that is that, you know, I think I went many, many years and went through these relationships blaming the people that I was with. Now, there's one thing I want to get straight here. There's no reason for someone to be abusive to you. There's no reason for someone to mistreat you. But, there's also no reason for you to mistreat or abuse people back. Or in any case. You know, it came to the point where I was like, okay, I was, I was in my last situationship. Um, <laughs> I was in a situationship and, you know, he made it pretty, pretty damn clear that he didn't want to be in a relationship and he wasn't looking for one. He had just gotten out of a long-term one. He was very honest about that with me. But I had gotten into this cycle where I wanted people who were unavailable to me. I liked putting myself into a situation where I was chasing and wondering and feeling unwanted half the time because they were very clear about wanting something casual and I just wanted to make every person that I was with fall in love with me. It was attractive to me to take someone that wasn't looking for that and I had this idea that I was so amazing and so loving and so genuine that I would change their minds. 
that's not what ended up happening. As you, if you've been in situationships, you know that those boundary lines get very muddy. You don't know if you're allowed to talk to other people or not. You don't know if you're allowed to sleep with other people or not. Um, someone assumes that you're exclusive and the other person doesn't. You know, at this point in time, I don't blame this guy for anything that happened between us because he made it very clear that he did not have his shit figured out and that he didn't want to date me and I'm the one that continued to pursue in hopes of a relationship. But, you know, he ended up getting with someone else and I got very upset. I was very hurt. We were friends before, you know, this even happened and so... The friendship ended, and that was probably the most heartbreaking part for me. I felt very betrayed. Everyone knew that he was, like, hooking up with this other person except for me, and I was the last to find out. Um, I was a little older than him, so I felt very humiliated. Um, and, yeah, I finally, after that happened, came to this conclusion that I was like, okay, some of the things that have happened to me are not my fault and I didn't deserve them. But there's a pattern that keeps happening here. I keep ending up in either these toxic situationships or these toxic or abusive relationships. Did I say relationships twice? I don't know. I, I meant situationships and relationships. <laughs> but... There must be an element to this that is me. You know, how much am I contributing to this problem? That thought finally occurred to me when I was <laughs> 20 years old. And I had been dating since I was about 16. Um, I remember talking to a counselor at one point and she called me a serial monogamist which was me. I would just jump from long-term to long-term relationship usually. Um, as soon as one ended, I was ready to commit to a different person, basically. And I never just took time to really be single or find myself. I, I do feel like that was part of the problem. It was also part of the problem that I was not taking accountability for my part in the type of people that I was attracting. And I played a part in the type of people I was attracting because of who I was as a person at the time. And I had to accept that. Which is a very hard thing to do because especially when you have some really traumatic things happen to you because of a relationship or you go through an extremely traumatic abusive relationship, you know, you are a victim. And in my case, I was a victim, but I also victimized myself so completely that I didn't take accountabilities in other relationships, in other areas of my life where... I wasn't just a victim. I was playing an active part in these toxic situations I'd end up in. Uh, 
<laughs> it took me a very long time to do that, to accept that. I finally got to the point where I said to myself, I said, you know, I am done with relationships. I am done with situationships. I am not going to waste any time on someone that doesn't meet my standards for a partner. They are going to meet my standards or I'm not going to date them. I'm not going to be romantic with them. I'm no longer going to spend time trying to date someone who is clearly emotionally unavailable. I'm going to stop doing this to myself. And I got that mindset. It's almost like, you know, I don't think most people want to be alone their entire life, but you almost have to reach a mindset where you are like, okay, if I am alone, that's fine. Reach a rhythm in your life where you are working a job you like, you are visiting places alone that you like, you are filling your time reading your favorite books, listening to your favorite music, engaging in the hobbies that you're passionate about. Do you. I mean, I know it's kind of annoying when people are like, focus on yourself, you gotta focus on yourself. <laughs> um, as RuPaul said it, you know, how are you gonna love now I can't remember it. Oh, that's embarrassing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I teased that quote there. It totally just slipped my mind. But you know, basically RuPaul says uh, <laughs> in every episode of Drag Race, you can't love someone else if you don't love yourself. Um, and that's true. You know, you see a lot of like these kind of like it girls nowadays like posting these videos like taking myself out on a date or dating yourself there's an element of truth to that because if you date yourself exactly how you want to be dated you're almost like physically manifesting that like I feel like you are treating yourself well so you experience what it's like to be treated well and dated correctly or how you want to be dated so then when the next partner comes around or potential partner comes around and they're like not doing these things that you want or they're not meeting your standards you're like yeah no i also think it's interesting because I think it's really easy to allow yourself to get into situations because of physical attractiveness. This is a very loose term I'm using because I believe everyone's attractive to somebody, right? Everybody has a different perception of what an attractive partner is to them. Um, and I've heard girls my age say, you know, if I'm going to get treated like shit, I at least want to get treated like shit by someone who's hot. Okay, fair, but 
I don't really want to be treated like shit at all <laughs> by anybody. I don't think anybody has the right to treat me like shit. I'm sure enough in myself where I can say that I try my best to move through life with good intentions. I try my hardest not to be a shit person, not to be mean to people. I'm not saying I achieved that perfectly, but I, I'm trying and I'm learning. I'm, you know, I think as I learn, I'm doing it. I'm doing a better and better job at it. But there's no excuse for that. And I think I, in the past, maybe have allowed people to treat me poorly because at the time I thought they were attractive. Or I thought maybe they were like out of my league, so to speak. But they really weren't. So I feel like part of the big change for me was that I also told myself that I'm not going to tell myself that I have a type or this certain type. When I find a person that's meant for me or well matched for me and they're going to treat me with dignity and respect and hopefully eventually learn to love me unconditionally and I them, that shit is not going to matter. You know, depending on what you're like, um, I guess like sexuality is, you know, I, I don't like to say all the time that, oh, like, sex or, or physicality is a really important part of a relationship. For some people it is, for some people it isn't. I mean, if you're asexual, then being sexual or having a sexual relationship obviously isn't that important to you, which is fine. Um, for some people, a physical attraction is really important. Um, for me, I feel like there has to be some element of physical attraction, but usually for me, I feel like most of my attraction comes from, you know, who you are as a person. I say that, okay, and I know that maybe some of my friends are listening to this and they're laughing because they're like, okay, you have shit taste in men in the past. What do you mean you like people for their personality? Well, I think part of the reason, too, why maybe I struggled finding healthy relationships is because I'm a little delulu. I'm a little delusional. I'm very imaginative. Um, sometimes I like to make up scenarios in my head, and I think sometimes... I like to make people out to be better people than they are. I think maybe in the past when people have served me what I wanted to see, I refuse to look deeper or below the surface because that is what I wanted and what I longed for and I did not want to believe 
that there was something a little sinister under the surface going on. You know, to get into toxic and abusive relationships, first of all, I, this this happened to me in, in the workplace. I heard two people talking and it was about a situation that happened and I don't want to divulge too much detail because I really want to be respectful of the situation but I'm just gonna say that there was a toxic relationship that they were talking about and you know it really escalated to a, an extreme physical situation and the aggressor ended up killing the victim very sad situation um, and the two people talking or discussing the situation said I don't understand how someone could ever put themselves in that position I hate that I hate that because I know for a fact that I am a very observant person for one I'm very observant I would even push it to say that I'm more observant than the average person I am especially as I've gotten older a quiet observer I'm very keen to body language I'm very keen to emotional changes but yet I have been in an abusive relationship before and I want to talk about this so that maybe if you're one of those people that are saying how do these people end up in these situations I am telling you this as an education point and as a caution point because I used to be one of those people okay and then I ended up in that situation myself because I thought it happened to everyone else except for me because I was too smart and observant and empathetic and emotional for that to happen to me no one was gonna get the emotional upper hand on me but it happened and it happened from someone that did not have nearly better grades than me or maybe even higher EQ than me when you end up in an abusive relationship it's a slow burn and I don't understand fully the aggressor side of it I don't know if they are actually like consciously doing what they're doing or if it's subconscious you know an almost predatory natural instinct for them I've never understood that mindset I don't know if I ever will but I'll tell you how it happened on my side of it the first thing that these people will do the aggressor is they will be very agreeable okay 
seemingly laid back, maybe a little nonchalant. Not the person that you'd necessarily expect to have a bad temper or to be manipulative. These persons, <laughs> wow, persons, these people will seemingly have a lot of similar personality traits or morals or interests as you. It is very hard to tell the difference between when someone actually has similarities to you or they're just mirroring your personality. If you're unaware of mirroring especially or this type of person, it'll just seem like they have everything in common with you. Also, there's the term that has become a little more familiar to all of us nowadays, and it's love bombing. I'm glad the education about this has become more widespread because this is a very significant thing that happens. I don't think I got more gifts in any relationship than I did in my abusive relationship. And they're very good at being, you know, the type of partner that you would maybe see um, on social media. I got dozen roses. I got name brand clothes. I got taken out on dates and things paid for. Gifts, love letters, paragraphs and texts. And this is a kind of entrapment that's really scary, especially for someone who is looking for something genuine or is very genuine because like, maybe you're not exactly even like super attracted to this person physically, but you're like, wow, they're treating me so well. And we have so much in common I would say there's no one that feels more like a soulmate than the beginnings of your relationship with an abusive partner. It is so frightening. And it is so jarring to think back about the feelings and the thoughts that I was having in the beginning stages of my relationship with my abusive partner. I was totally unaware. I was happy. You know, at the time, I just thought that I met my person. Yeah, maybe they weren't exactly my exact idea of my, you know, ideal type. But personality-wise, they just kept hitting it on the head over and over again. And, you know, we ended up dating. And this behavior continued. 
I know that my partner seemed very cool to me. Now in my situation, this particular person had priors, okay? They had allegations, they had prior situations where they had been accused of abuse, um, they had been arrested multiple times for violence. So the next thing that got served to me was the I've changed. Abusive partners and dare I say narcissists, narcissistic partners, are very good at serving you bullshit stories that are very believable. There might not be much that they're good at, maybe they're not that book smart, but they can weave lies like nothing you've ever seen. I mean, the way it just, they can look you in the eyes and spin you a story. It's crazy because it's like their superpower. Um, you know, so maybe they'll admit to something that they did, but they'll just they'll tell you a, a different, a little different story. They just twist it just enough to make it still believable, but to kind of tilt things in their favor so you see it a different way. Like you know, yes. I did this, but it was because they did this to me. And you know, they maybe seem very genuinely sorry for it, or, you know, they, they spin you a bunch of shit about how they're in therapy now, or how they're on medications now. Um, that kind of make you just want to give them the benefit of the doubt. So, now that we've kind of covered all of that stuff, I kind of want to move into, like, the second stage of an abusive relationship. What I feel like starts to happen, and I would, if... From my experience and what I've seen with other people, this behavior kind of starts to unfold a little bit around six months. I feel like, especially with a narcissist or an abusive partner, they can only keep up the act for so long. And then stuff starts to kind of seep into the relationship that makes you feel bad that makes you start to question things that makes you start to wonder and problems begin to arise i would say that my abuse relationship was picture perfect for almost four months straight nothing really too bad happened well <laughs> i would say the first red flag was that my parents didn't like him. This is a hard one, especially if you are a teenager 
or maybe you're just new into your adulthood and you're kind of maybe staying with your parents sometimes when you're not going to college they you know not every parent situation is good maybe you have a rough relationship with your parents But you have to remember something about your parents as as much as they can irritate you and as much as maybe you don't agree with them on certain things they've been around the block a few times um there's a lot of stuff i don't agree with my parents on but when they warn me about people i tend to at least excuse me I tend to at least listen to what they have to say when it comes to people nowadays because I have learned that they say something because they've probably been in a situation similar at some point in time in their lives. So for you, maybe you're experiencing that kind of toxic relationship for the first time, but they've had three of them already and have learned to weed those kinds of people out by certain indications that you don't have yet. You have to keep in mind that most of the time your parents are not trying to ruin your life. Your parents probably love you and probably don't want to see you get hurt. And if they get serious about trying to, you know, kind of get you out of a relationship or convince you to stop dating someone there's a good reason for it most of the time my abusive relationship caused many fights between me and my parents because they were trying to um get me out of that situation before it got really bad Unfortunately, by this point, I had already kind of allowed myself so much vulnerability to my abuser that I was just like, you know, there was other aspects that made this a little more complicated, but, you know, I didn't really listen to anything they had to say. You know, my dad's a pretty laid-back guy usually you have to do something for him to dislike you he did not like this person off the bat basically um, I made up every excuse in the book in my head for why they didn't like him and it was for every single reason but the fact that he was not a good partner and that he was not a good person. Um, I would say that it was around this time that, you know, the six month mark where things started to really, the, the shit started to hit the fan a little bit. Um, the fighting started now I'm not gonna sit here and say that I was like some perfect partner okay I had a lot of my own shit going on um, 
but at the same time, I do understand and recognize that when I did make a point or when maybe I was picking up on something that wasn't good or that was very toxic or abusive, like emotional manipulation or gaslighting. Um, I would just get gaslit more. So this was something that was very common in my um, toxic, abusive relationship during fights. So my partner would say something really fucked up, right? Something really fucked up to me. Something that was verbal or emotional abuse. We something that would make me angry. Something that really set me off. You know, it would it would cause a very emotional response because it was really fucked up for them to say. Not even five minutes later, if I said, Why would you say that? Why do you think it's okay for you to talk to me like that? My partner would go, what are you talking about? I didn't say that. There were so many instances that I felt like I was actually losing my mind. Like I actually thought that I was losing my mind because he would claim that he never said what I was talking about. That at the time, I didn't realize it. But that was, you know, gaslighting. He was gaslighting me. And and to the point where he had me questioning my own credibility. Um, and, you know, I couldn't get him to take accountability for what he did. So I'd almost just kind of like let it go. Because I was like, this isn't worth arguing about. I actually thought at different times and points, you know, just to avoid admitting to myself that he was just an abusive partner. I would even sometimes, like, think to myself, does he have a memory issue? Like, does he genuinely forget things? He was so good at acting like he didn't know what I was talking about that he actually made me question if there was something medical going on with him. And not medical as in psychological or behavioral, I mean actually something physically wrong. That was part of what, you know, started to happen. And I think maybe I, I may have talked about this before. I, I can't remember. But when you're in these types of situations, they are very much like drugs or anything else that you may be addicted to. The lows are low and the highs are high. So when you're in an abusive relationship, 
the lows and the fighting and the manipulation and the abuse make you feel like you literally want to die. But when it gets better and you make up, the connection feels very powerful and strong. The passion is very intense. To the point where it makes you want to forget about everything that happened. And that kind of is what happened to me. Is that when we... When I'd feel that passion... It felt like I was being loved like I'd never been loved by anyone before. Which was everything I'd ever been looking for. So I fell for it over and over and over again. And I fought through the lows so that I could experience the highs again and again. The bad thing about abusive relationships is in most cases, the price that you pay to experience those highs becomes steeper and steeper. To the point where it can eventually cost you your life. And actually, my mom tried to warn me of that very, very early on. And I did not, I, I didn't listen because I was like, you know, I'm from this small ass town. You know, this isn't, this isn't law and order, mom. This doesn't happen. This isn't happening to me. I'm fine. You're being exaggerative. I would say then you move on to a third stage in an abusive relationship where things um they start to escalate okay i would say at this stage you start to feel those first feelings of fear towards your partner they are getting violent not towards you yet but they're getting violent, so this might include um, punching walls, throwing objects, um, not hurting you, but physically restraining you. This was a big one for me. This one made me feel like I wanted to go insane. This one almost pushed me to, you know, and this is very hard to admit, but this one actually almost pushed me to be physical at a couple points in times because I would get very overwhelmed by everything that was happening. You know, I was being gaslit. I was being screamed at and I'd be like, just let me walk away. Just please just let me leave for 15 minutes. Let me take a walk. Let me, you know, cool off so that we can revisit this. And my partner would actually physically restrain me from leaving a room or leaving the house. This was standing in front of the door, locking it or, um, you know, holding me away from the door. This scared me, but also made me feel extreme anger.
haben. Sorry. Und <lacht> um, es starts to, you know, the screaming was intense. There was actually a point in time where my mom had stopped in to visit my partner's house while we were there. She walked in and heard him screaming at me upstairs. I guess that he was verbally threatening me, but I didn't even understand that this was happening. I don't know if I was mentally blocking this out or, you know, if I just went to another place when he got like that with me. I do remember there was a lot of times where he would start screaming at me and I would just like, I guess disassociate. So I didn't feel what was happening. This was the point where I started to feel like maybe something was going on with him mentally. This was the point where if I did get out of the house to try and leave, or if we got into a bit of a tiff or argument before I had to go somewhere, I missed family gatherings because he would not let me leave. Because he would get in my car or jump in front of my car. He jumped on top of my car one time when I was trying to leave. It's when I noticed that he was starting to bring out a side to me that I had never thought was there a dark dark side of me where <laughs> you know I never wanted to hurt anybody but it's just like I was so sick and tired of what was happening it was exhausting it was to the point where I was starting to have to walk on eggshells and I couldn't disagree with him or you know I'd have to feel out if maybe he was in a mood because if he was in a mood It was, it was a hairline trigger. Anything I said could set him off. And it was scary. And it was starting to get scary. Maybe, I, I think maybe around this time was when I finally started to think that maybe I was in a bad situation. The friends that I had despised him. My best friend absolutely despised him. You know, I love her. She told me straight up, you know, not only does he not take care of himself, but he, you know, screams at you and is violent. This is not a good situation. You need to leave. I started spending a lot of time curating how I was going to leave him because initially I suggested that we break up. Here's the catch. When you try to leave an abusive partner, 
they're going to do anything that they can to make you stay. Anything. He, the popular one is obviously he threatens suicide. The thing that scared me is that he acted so mentally unstable that I believed that he'd actually do it, which made it so much more scary. Because I think a lot of times people say, oh, when your toxic partner or abusive relationship partner, when they threaten to commit suicide, they're not going to do it. It didn't feel like that, okay? It did. When you're with someone who is very likely clinically insane, the hard part is not that. It's the fact that you fully know and believe that they would probably go ahead and do it. And you ask yourself, how would you handle this situation if you knew that they tried to take their own life because you wanted to break up with them? Now, what I failed to understand at that time is that in that situation, you know, there's, there's not really anything that I could do about that. I had to get out. But instead... All I could think about was the fact that he was threatening to kill himself. I thought that he would actually do it, so I stayed. And I thought maybe if I could encourage him to speak with a therapist, maybe get on some medications, maybe stabilize, that I would be able to finally leave him. And then I would say we entered the fourth stage where um, things got physical. Um, I had a kind of a falling out with my family and unfortunately I ended up played right into his hands. I ended up moving into his house And this was the point where things started getting thrown at me, when physical things started happening. Um, I got hit. And this came in different forms. You know, I don't really want to delve too deep into this because this is one section of this conversation that I don't really feel like I can talk about. But your partner, your romantic partner, or your lover, and do not forget about this, can be sexually abusive. That's all I'm going to say on that. Um, but yeah, stuff ended up thrown at me. I ended up... Um, ended up getting shoved in my head smacking into a wall things were really starting to heat up it seemed like he was acting more and more sporadic or desperate to keep me near 
I ended up getting my own apartment with my best friend and I started to experience independence again and it kind of started making me feel pretty fed up with his bullshit. I wasn't really feeling so in love anymore. And specifically I remember that there was one night that I was actually working. I was like cleaning cabins at this time for a job, for a little side hustle to help me get through college. And it was me and my best friend, like my roommate, and we had invited one of our mutual friends over for the night. And we, you know, just, we were gonna have a girls night. Um, I think I was in a really weird spot with him where I was like kind of trying to break up with him but um, I was like taking that process really slowly because I didn't want him to like hurt himself. I was kind of like slowly cutting him off. At least that's what I was telling myself. But anyway we had this friend over. We were gonna have some drinks. I was just finishing up my shift and you know he was texting me and I was texting him back and you know he's asking you know the what are we question I was I was being pretty dodgy to be honest but I was very scared to be straightforward because I didn't know what was gonna happen and basically everything that I feared ended up happening anyway because I finally you know, I finally snapped. So he was texting me and I said, listen, I just, I don't think we should be together anymore. I really think that it's time for us to end this relationship. It's not working. And honestly, I was truthful because I said it, it's not because I, I don't care about you because I do. And I did. I really did. You know, regardless of everything that he did to me, he also told me a lot about his past. It was very traumatic. He had a ton of trauma. And I empathized with that. And I felt bad for him. And because of that traumatic past, I made a shit ton of excuses for him to act the way that he did. And he called me and you know he just kept saying that he's gonna he was gonna come and visit me I think he lived like an hour away from me at that time he was gonna come up and we were gonna talk that night and I was like very calm I very calmly I said you know I have company tonight we're gonna have a girls night tonight i really think that maybe um I, you know i have tomorrow off we can totally meet tomorrow and we can talk this through in person very agreeable very reasonable i was not angry yet at this point and he kept saying no i need to see you let me just come up and talk to you blah 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 and i was like at this you know i was at the end of my rope i was setting a boundary and i said no i have company tonight I don't want you coming up here tonight. We can talk about this tomorrow. It can wait. 
And I, I remember thinking to myself, if he has any respect for me, any respect for me, he will wait. And I think I might have even told him that at this point. I was like, you know, if you have a shred of respect for me, you will respect the boundary I'm laying down right now. I'm asking for 24 hours. And he kept pushing, kept pushing. And I did, I did snap. And I did yell. Although I don't really think that is an excuse for the events that happened to me after this point. But I snapped and I said, you know, this is the reason that I'm leaving you. Because I set boundary after boundary and you walk all over me every single fucking time. And I remember he exploded. And his voice was unrecognizable as he screamed at me through the phone. I wanted to make note of this during this episode as well, that you will notice physical changes in an abusive partner as well. Voice changes and their eyes. I'm so surprised that no one ever talks about this. It will look like you're looking into the eyes of a different person, someone who hates you. Their eyes will be filled with hatred and anger. It will seem like you are looking and talking to someone else. I mean, I remember I almost thought that he needed like an exorcism. This is how much his voice changed when he screamed at me. And I will never, ever, ever forget that sound. And sure enough, I won't go into too much more detail beyond this point. But I will say that he ended up arrested with a loaded gun in his car. And it was only at this point, only after that happened, and I discovered that information, that it hit me that he never loved me. The only thing I think that really kept me going in that relationship is that I believed somewhere, somewhere deep down in there, <laughs> that he loved me, that he cared about me, and that if it really came down to it, regardless of all of his problems and all of his issues, that he would never hurt me. Because that's what he told me. And that most certainly wasn't true. Because when you are with a narcissistic, abusive partner, they really do have the mindset that if they can't have you, no one can. And if they're going to go down, they're going to take you with them. You know... 
and I, I really wanted to go through this. Not only did, did it feel good for me to kind of trauma dump, but I wanted to talk about this experience I had because I never thought it would be me. I never thought it would be me. I never thought that I'd allow myself to enter a situation like that, nor stay in one for so long and let it get to that point. You know, you have to be careful. And this is why I went through this entire situation with you guys because if maybe you haven't gone through this type of situation before and maybe you think that this could never happen to you please be aware your friends and your family they care about you and if they're sitting you down and saying, if you stay with this guy, you're going to end up severely hurt or severely <laughs> dead, <laughs> for lack of a better term. They're probably not being dramatic, okay? If your partner is actively trying to turn you against the people in your life that are important to you, your family, your friends, particularly the people you're close to in your life that your abusive partner knows doesn't like them. You know, maybe they're, this was, oh, this was a big one with mine is that he would tell me rumors that he had heard these um, rumors that, and he, he you know didn't know where they started from couldn't maybe couldn't remember who he heard them from but you know he'd say you know I, I heard your best friend said this about you You know, I advise you maybe to not trust them or maybe to spend less time with them. It, you know, your partner, your abusive partner won't be that straightforward about it, but in a way they'll weave it, you know, in a way that makes you maybe consider distancing yourself and therefore pulling you closer to them. I also want to talk about this because I I did a lot of research after this happened to me because one I wanted to be validated because after going through years or months of being gaslit and lied to and manipulated you sit back and you're like was I abused was I an abusive relationship was I? 
Or am I being dramatic? You kind of, if I don't know if other people have had this experience, but I was almost in like this like pendulum state for a very long time. Where I thought maybe I was being overdramatic. Somehow. I, I mean, I don't know how I thought that, but, you know, I did. But 70% of abuse victims will return to their abusers. And I know some people are thinking, I don't even understand how people end up in abusive relationships in the first place, but... If they end up in an abusive relationship and they survive it, why the fuck would they go back? Well, let's talk about it. There's a lot of reasons. And I did it too. I did it too. You'd think that someone might have to be like a total dumbass to do something like that, but you don't. You don't. Because you're a victim of emotional manipulation to the highest degree and gaslighting a lot of times abusers will wait for the dust to settle a while maybe they finally get out of jail or a psychiatric unit <laughs> or both <laughs> wherever they ended up and they'll try and contact you this part is tough because they will be so apologetic they will take accountability for everything that they did and they're going to therapy now and they're they're finally on some medications and you know they're very stable and they've got a good job now and they're changed and then the cycle begins again Fortunately, in my case, I did get a little bit wiser because I spent some time with that partner again. But in my mind, I said, all right, if he's really changed, let's test things out. Maybe that's a little emotionally manipulative of me. But I wanted to see, I wanted to see, because some part of me, even though I went back, didn't trust him the way I had before. Um, you know... Fortunately, things didn't get too intense, but I noticed once again that he was telling me about these rumors that my friends were spreading about me, and then he got into a violent altercation with someone that I had talked to while we were apart, and then, you know, I found out he was indeed not in therapy or on medications, and he was partying a lot, and then, you know, he was telling me that he wanted to be with me, but... And, you know, that I wasn't, uh, you know, we were going to be exclusive or whatever, and I wasn't, like, 
sleeping with anyone and then he was like screwing random people and I finally just I remember I just walked and I left and I, I never I never talked to him again fortunately he didn't try and come after me that second time um, I remember he sent me a long paragraph after I left and I remember I just I think I just blocked him. And the after effects of being with an abusive partner is tough too. Especially if you live in a small area like I did. My abusive partner, my ex, was a very... He liked to party. A lot of people knew him and, you know, in my area where I grew up, I maybe some of you can relate to this. There's people that don't give a fuck about morals. They will go anywhere that they can get alcohol or drugs. And it doesn't matter what that person did. They will go anywhere that they can get into a party. He was known to party. He was known to throw big parties. I probably went through my one of my biggest party stages being with him. Um, I don't know. I remember that people kind of had an idea of what happened between me and him and it was on the police scanner and it was kind of like public knowledge and there was a lot of people that didn't treat him any different. I remember how much that bothered me for such a long time. Because you think that once someone like literally tries to, you know, hurt someone or kill someone that they're gonna if they don't end up in jail which he did not they're going to at least be kind of isolated that people aren't gonna want to be around them that didn't happen and he even ended up getting with a couple of my acquaintances that had known about the situation. Which I was very angry about too for a very long time, which I'm sure is exactly what he wanted. But I had to tell myself this is only f to get a reaction from me. Um... And I knew that he was a good liar, I knew that he was a good manipulator, and I knew that he would probably have a way of twisting things around, and for someone that hadn't been through that shit, or didn't know any better, or didn't want to know any better like I did, they might just believe him, and that's not really their fault. I had a very hard time accepting that he wasn't 
excluded from the general population for what he did to me. That life just went on. And, you know, he started dating one of my acquaintances that actually, you know, in air quotes, was a support for me during the time of what he, what he did. I will give you a word of advice if you were in a similar situation where maybe you try to reach out to the new partner of your abusive ex. It is most likely useless because they're in a situation that you were in. And there's this mindset, and I don't know if this goes, you know, I, I would guess it's not a gender-specific thing. But you almost have this idea that when you're with an abusive partner and you are the victim, especially an abusive partner that tells you all about their trauma and all about their mistreatments of their life, and how everybody just didn't know how to love them right, and blah 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 you think that you're going to be their savior and you're going to love them like no one has loved them before and that is going to be you are going to be the one to tame the beast and the more people tell you that you can't the more you want to do it which is what happened to me i reached out to my acquaintance and i said listen like my experience with this was very real and I got called toxic and whatever lies that he had twisted about me had been poured into her ears and it was it's easier when you're the current partner to believe that all the exes are the monsters and you know the person that you probably love is not It's a very difficult situation. It's very tough to accept. The best thing you can do is completely exclude yourself from the situation and let time do its thing. Let karma do its thing. Because, you know, I truly, spiritually don't believe that someone can just traumatize people <laughs> and abuse them and manipulate them and get away with it forever. One of these days, those people are just going to pick on the wrong person. They're going to hurt the wrong person. They're going to attempt to physically hurt the wrong person, and they are going to pay a price for it. I have found peace in this situation and accepted it. And, you know, does part of me always hope that someday I will hear that he's in prison for you know what he does I do I think that's where those people deserve to be so you know I also want to say this too Do not think that it is just men who can be the abusers. I've met some extremely narcissistic and abusive women in my lifetime. 
I've seen long-term marriages where men twice the size of the woman are victims of domestic violence and toxic relationships and <laughs> abuse. It is not one specific group of people that is, you know, that are affected by this sort of thing. So at the end of all this and at the end of sharing this extremely sad story with you, I hope that you can take away something from this, whether it is signs to look for, whether it is to be maybe a little more observant, maybe a little more objective. I see a lot of stuff online about being Delulu, about <laughs> being toxic or, you know, thinking it's cute to be like, I'm crazy. It's not that cute. It's not that cute when you can actively change your romantic partner or honestly, it could be to your family. It could be to your friends. You can be abusive to anyone that's close to you or not. I want you to hear this, that when someone is abused for a long period of time or they undergo, you know, trauma or traumatic events for a long period of time, it can literally change the chemicals in someone's brain okay so when you abuse someone or when someone is abused or undergoing trauma or traumatic events in their life they don't always just get to walk away from that scot-free Sometimes they end up with you know issues that follow them or stick with them for years after they leave that situation. You can literally change someone's life by how you choose to treat them. So please, please, please be self-aware. Be aware of others. Keep yourself safe. Your heart is not always the best indicator, okay? Your feelings and emotions are not always the best indicator. But if you have a feeling in your gut, that's instinct warning you about something. Those aren't always butterflies. Sometimes it's anxiety. If you're unsure about your situation, whether you think that you could maybe be emotionally abusive or you're the one being abused, seek out help. Talk to a therapist.
talk to a counselor. Talk to a trusted adult. Or there's other help available. You can speak with the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, their hours are 24-7. They, you know, they can speak to you in English, Spanish, and 200 plus uh, other languages through interpretation services. You can go on the website. You can live chat with someone or you can text message them. Uh, you can text message START, S-T-A-R-T, to 88788. Or you can call someone at 800-799-7233. Do not wait. Do not wait for things to get better. Seek help. If you believe that you are in a dangerous situation, call 911 or whatever your emergency phone number is for your area. Because sometimes it is a matter of life and death. Sometimes things are like law and order, unfortunately. I hope that you were able to gather something useful from this episode. I know it was a heavy one, and I appreciate you sticking through it with me. Um, maybe we'll have a lighter topic for next week, but this is something that I really wanted to talk about because I'm very passionate about it having been put in that sort of position. Um, Please remember to be kind to people, to be empathetic to people. You never know what situation they can be in. You can never guess what they're going through. You know, assume the worst hope for the best type of thing. Um, I think that's all I have for you guys today. So thank you for listening. Um, Oh, uh, one more thing I want to talk about before I head out here. Um, you may notice if you're checking out my YouTube channel or maybe TikTok, Instagram, I am not doing a video portion for every podcast episode. I'm sitting here trying to remember if I talked about this at the beginning of the episode or not. If I did, I'm sorry. I'm just going to retouch on it one more time. I am not going to be recording video portions for every single episode anymore. The editing, you know, the videos on top of trying to sort out the whole audio situation, it, it's a lot for one person. So I'm just going to kind of do what I can do here. Some episodes might have a video portion, some episodes might not. I'm probably just going to put, um, you know, still upload the audio to YouTube, um, 
just so it can be listened to there but there might not be uh, necessarily like a visual portion to every single episode it'll just kind of depend on how I feel what I want to do um, I feel like sometimes I might be I was trying to do it and I thought maybe sometimes I was a little too wrapped up in like what I looked like and what I was gonna wear or whatever sometimes I just want to like chill and not care about any of that and just record the episode that being said though you can still um, follow my Instagram at comfortably unconventional if there is something you like for me to discuss or maybe you have comments on past episodes you can definitely shoot me a DM on there Uh, I am on TikTok, and I will be posting clips from time to time on there um, at Comfy Unconventional Pod. And of course, you can find me on YouTube uh, at Comfortably Unconventional. And I am on Apple Pod, Spotify, just about anywhere that you can find a podcast. I should be there. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you gave it a rating, hopefully five stars. <laughs> I hope I'm serving some quality content to you guys and, um, yeah, I think that's it. So thank you for checking in. I appreciate all of you who take the time to listen to me and learn and grow with me here. Um, and I will see you next time.